Welcome to the Mental Note Show, the show for anxious moms, parenting anxious kids. I'm your host, Deanna, and I'm glad you're here. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that many of us grapple with, feeling stuck. You know the feeling like you're running on a treadmill, exerting effort, but not really moving forward? We often attribute this sensation to external factors, but what if I told you the real reason might be something entirely unexpected? Welcome to the Mental Notes Show, the show for ambitious moms ready to break the cycle of anxiety for themselves and their families. I've been in your shoes. I know the weight of holding it all together for a family when you're barely holding it together for yourself. And sometimes it can feel lonely and overwhelming. I'm your host, Deanna Pacina. I'm a certified parenting coach, behavioral consultant, counselor in training, and wife and mom. I know what it's like to feel alone in parenting an anxious child. I thought I could do it all on my own, but it was learning how to manage my anxiety and connect with a community that made all the difference in how I show up for myself and my family. This podcast is your sanctuary, a place where we get real about the struggles and triumphs of parenting anxious kids while managing our own personal growth. We'll dive deep into communication hacks, identifying those sneaky triggers, and creating a home that's more peace and less chaos. So grab your favorite cup of something warm and let's go. So there are a couple of reasons why we stay stuck. First of all, comfort zones. We often stay stuck because our comfort zones, while limiting, feel safe and familiar. And when we venture outside of them, it can seem overwhelming, especially when we are managing anxiety. Anxiety thrives on uncertainty. And so the fear of what might happen if we make a change can be paralyzing and keeping us stuck in our current situation. Anxiety also has a self-fulfilling prophecy to it where we create this cycle where we're, fr- we're afraid to make changes, which reinforces the belief that we're stuck and that we can't move forward. Sometimes the biggest hurdle is just our mindset. Shifting from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset can open doors to new possibilities and break that cycle of feeling stuck. Now, how this stuckness might show up for you really depends on your individual behavioral style. So if you're someone who is more decisive in nature, these are our folks who are driven, assertive, you love to take charge, you might get stuck due to your fear of losing control or your reluctance to show vulnerability. You might also resist change if you think that there is some sort of a threat to your authority or your status. If you are more of our inspirational behavioral type, you're more outgoing and enthusiastic and you thrive on social situations, you might get stuck because you have a fear of rejection or criticism, and you might also hesitate to make changes that could potentially disrupt your social connections or your popularity. Our supportive behavioral type are calm and patient and they value stability. They get stuck because of their resistance to change. And of all of the different behavioral types, S's are the most resistant to change and a fear of the unknown. They might avoid taking risks that will also upset their routine or push them outside of that place that makes them feel safe. Our conscientious individuals are analytic and detail-oriented, and they strive for perfection. Now, they might get stuck because they have a fear of making mistakes, or they can overthink decisions and get really hung up on a thinking process over and over in their heads. And they might also resist change if they perceive it as a threat to their standards or their procedures. 
Now, you might think that all of these things are just part of your personality, but they're actual behaviors that are influenced by our genetics, our role models, and experiences that we've had over the course of our life. And they're having a huge impact on how we show up, especially in motherhood. If you want to learn more about what your behavioral type is, I'd love for you to take the parenting personality quiz. When you were a child, you were influenced by role models up to the age of 12 and then your experiences after the age of eight. Whenever an experience overwhelms your nervous system, you automatically are going to revert to your natural style of behavior. And that's where adults get stuck. We get into this thinking that can be really, really fixed. If you want to take the quiz, just head on over to dianapacina.com forward slash quiz and take the quiz there and then you'll get your results immediately so you can start to identify where you might be getting stuck. By understanding these tendencies, we can better navigate our feelings about being stuck and develop strategies to overcome them. I have to be super honest and vulnerable right now. I have been feeling super, super, super stuck lately. And I know that when I am in a stressful situation or a stressful time, I revert to freeze. I just don't do anything because I feel like if I do anything, then I'm risking not being able to follow through or I'm risking disappointing someone. And so being able to identify where we get stuck is how we can help ourselves overcome it. And it's funny because when I was thinking about doing this particular podcast, I was like, hmm, if this is not the pot call on the kettle, because I am guilty of this, I'm guilty of letting my nervous system really kind of control my actions. And it's something that I work on regularly to break. So when we look at our nervous system, our nervous system is hardwired for survival. And if we feel something is a threat, it's going to trigger our fight, our flight, our freeze, and our fawn responses. Now, these are primitive automatic reactions that can dominate our behavior when we're stressed. The important thing to understand is that these, you know, innate responses that we have are designed to keep us from real danger that could harm us. And the problem is in the world that we live in, we perceive things to be danger that are not. And a lot of times stress can trigger our brains and send this alarm signal to our bodies. And it starts with our amygdala, which is the part of our brain which is responsible for emotional processing. And when this part of our brain senses danger, it instantly sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is like your brain's command center, and when it receives the distress signal, it communicates with the rest of your body through your autonomic nervous system, which controls your involuntary body functions like heartbeat, blood, pressure, and breathing. So that's why when you have something that comes um, along and, and you're feeling that it's stressful or that it's a danger, your cheeks might flush. You know, you might feel your heart racing. You might start breathing quicker because you're feeling threatened. And so that system has two components, our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous systems. Now, the sympathetic is like a gas pedal in a car. It is going to trigger the fight or flight response, providing you with a burst of energy so that you can either fight or flee from whatever this perceived danger is. The parasympathetic nervous system acts like a brake and it promotes the rest and digest response that calms your body down after the danger has passed. Once the hypothalamus triggers the sympathetic nervous system, it releases adrenaline into your bloodstream. And this causes several physiological changes. Your heart rate increases, your breathing quickens, your senses become sharper, and you start to sweat. And these changes prepare you to either confront or flee from whatever the threat might be. Once the threat passes, cortisol levels fall and the parasympathetic nervous system dampens the stress response, 
But if the stressor doesn't go away, and this is really important to understand because for many of this, many of us, this is the state that we live in, especially if we deal with anxiety or we have situations with our children who are struggling with anxiety, causing us additional anxiety, our stress responses can remain activated. And this constant activation can have negative effects on your body, leading to health problems like anxiety and depression, but things like heart disease and sleep problems, and weight gain, and memory, and concentration impairment, and brain fog. So I don't know about you, but I have dealt with pretty much all of those. I've had high blood pressure. I've had sleep problems. I went through a period of time where it didn't matter what I did. I could not lose weight. I deal with brain frog. Brain frog. I can't talk. I deal with brain fog, which is why it's essential for us to learn and practice effective stress management techniques. So just a quick review of what the different types of stress responses are. We have our fight response when we confront stress stress head on, sometimes leading to aggressive behaviors or confrontational attitudes, which can be counterproductive in non-threatening situations. You know, think about it when you're in a situation, you're having a conversation with someone and they just like explode. For some reason, a fight response has been triggered in them. A flight response is when we decide to escape or avoid those stressful situations But that can lead sometimes to procrastination or avoidances of challenges that could lead to our growth. In a freeze response, we feel immobilized by stress. It's like hitting an emotional pause button, leading to inaction or disengagement from life's tasks. In a fawn response, we try to please others or appease others to avoid conflict at the expense of our own needs and our own well-being. So In a freeze response or a fawn response, it might look like things are okay, but underneath you might just be holding it all together and still be operating in that stress response and maybe not truly recognizing it and realizing it. So when we talk about comfort zones and the things that keep us stuck, Our comfort zones provide us a sense of safety and predictability. However, they can also result in our nervous system seeking to avoid perceived threats leading to stagnation. Because remember, some stress can be good. It can be good to go out and challenge yourself and try new things and learn. But when we don't put ourselves out there, we're just keeping ourselves stuck because we're afraid of entering into this stress cycle. When we're anxious, our body's instinct is to seek environments and situations that feel safe. So you throw anxiety on the top of this, then you're really going to shy away from new opportunities or challenges, which is just going to reinforce the feeling of being stuck. And this safety-seeking behavior is an attempt by our nervous system to keep us safe but it can limit our growth and keep us trapped in familiar patterns. So the most important thing that we need to be able to do is recognize what response we're in. Self-awareness is key. Identifying moments when you're either fawning, freezing, you know, shutting down, or you're feeling agitated, or you want to fight, or you want to flee a situation, that's the first step. You really have to be able to identify in your body how you're feeling in order to be able to utilize strategies to combat it. One thing that you can do is journal. And here's some journal questions that can help you really start to recognize these patterns. And I'll put these in the show notes as well. What situations or interactions in your daily life currently trigger feelings of overwhelming stress or anxiety? And how do you respond during those moments? If you are dealing with anxiety, this is something that probably in some way, shape or form 
rears its head every day. Be really honest about what are those things that cause you stress and anxiety and how do you respond in those moments? Because that's going to shed some light as to what stress response you're in in that stress cycle. Second question, what thoughts or fears hold you back from taking action or asserting your needs in those situations? And then third, how does your body physically respond when you are in a fawn or freeze state specifically because if we're talking about stuckness, more than likely you're in some sort of a fawn or freeze state. What sensations or feelings or physical cues can I identify to indicate when I'm in this state? For me, it's brain fog, a feeling of disconnection, kind of go on autopilot, just doing the same thing over and over again day after day. And that's a pretty good indication that I'm stuck in something. It takes me a while to figure that out. But when I do, it's like, oh, that's why I've been feeling this way. It helps me, you know, it it helps me understand why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. So there's a couple of ways that we can work through these feelings of stuckness. So when you are in a freeze response, grounding techniques can help bring you back to the present. So this can include sensory exercises like holding an ice cube. And that sounds crazy, but holding something cold, it's going to shock you and it's going to, you know, kind of like bring you back to focus. Focusing on your breath or engaging in tactile activities. All of these are things that will help move you out of that freeze response. Physical movement like stretching or walking can also help to unfreeze the body and the mind. If you have listened to any of my podcasts, I've probably talked about how walking is an important part of my day. A hundred percent. If I don't have a walk in the morning, I feel it the rest of the day in my mind, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm showing up. It's a way for me to just process anything that I might be thinking about or dealing with and really kind of hit a reset button at the start of the day. Another technique you can use is called the 54321. Now, this is a grounding technique that uses your five senses to bring you back to the present. You start by identifying five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. This method can help distract you from your anxious thoughts and refocus your attention on your physical surroundings and bring you back into the moment. Boundaries are also really important if you are. Um, guilty of being someone who falls into fawning quite often, you know, that people pleasing. Boundaries are going to help you communicate your limits and your expectations to other people. Setting boundaries can take many forms, but let's talk about a common situation for moms. Overcommitting to school or community activities because you're afraid to say no. So let's say someone approaches you and asks you if you can volunteer at a sporting event to work in the concession stand. If you're fawning, you're going to say, sure, I'll, I'll find a way to make that work. I don't want to let anyone down. But if you're setting a boundary, you know that it's not something that is going to work for you. You can say, I appreciate you thinking about me, but I already have a lot on my plate right now and I can't commit to this. And I don't want to say yes when I know that I can't do it. So in that situation, you're acknowledging the request, but you're also communicating your limit and you're not overextending yourself, which leads to increased stress and increased anxiety. So remember, ending this cycle of stuckness, this cycle of stress, this cycle of anxiety starts by recognizing your stress response. That's the first step towards regulation. Once you understand those patterns, you can consciously choose to interrupt them. Then utilizing techniques like mindfulness and deep breathing and grounding exercises can really help shift your nervous system from that sympathetic fight or flight mode into the parasympathetic 
rest and digest mode, promoting calmness. These techniques are not about eliminating stress because it's impossible. We live in a world that is full of stress, but it's learning to navigate it more effectively in a way that's healthier for you so that we're not responding to every little thing like it's an emergency. And by regularly practicing these skills, we can gradually retrain our nervous system to respond differently to stress. As we close, I would like to ask that if you have been listening to The Mental Note Show and you've been enjoying it and you've got any value or learned anything, or if you've shared any episodes with anyone, I just want to say thank you for being here. And I would ask that if you haven't already, would you leave a five-star rating and even a short review? Because that's the best way that we can get out in front of other moms who could use this community. I'm grateful for all of you, and I'm so grateful that you listened to the show. And if you could leave that five-star rating, it would just mean a lot to me. I'll be back here next week and hope you will be too. See you then, friend.